0: We're in week two of uh, Kingsway Values. I have to tell you, this is well, this is one of those series, uh, it keeps me up at night, all right? I just have to tell you, it keeps me up at night. Uh, partly because uh, these have been things that we've been working on behind the scenes for for years. And so you haven't seen or heard much of this, or you might have heard some of the elders or staff kind of mention some of this stuff. But this is stuff that we've been kind of percolating on, working on. And so presenting it to you, there's a little bit of nerves that come to me because I'm like, I want to do a good job, all right? I just want you to like it. And, and I, I'm naturally that way anyway, and so I have to be careful because that's not my job. My job is to not make you like me, even though I try um, sometimes too hard. So th- my job is just to present these accurately, to give you just an accurate perspective. And the reason why is because this is truly uh, an impactful series. This is a, a picture of Kingsway in a nutshell. And I want to explain this to you a little bit, because if you weren't here last week, you're like, okay, this seems epic, crazy. What are we talking about? Where are we going? What are we doing? Um, last week, I explained that we have this kind of gospel mission statement, kind of vision statement that we talk about. In fact, I just mentioned it in my prayer, and John mentioned it as well. And it, it comes from John 10.10. 10. It says, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. Uh, or the old school uh, life abundant or abundantly, All right. And so we have this mission statement that's inviting everyone, uh, in, inviting everyone to pursue full life in Jesus. That's just our simple thing. Like if you just ask me, like in a nutshell, what is Jesus or what is what is King's Way about? And I would say it's Jesus, but it's about inv- inviting everyone to pursue that full life in Jesus. That's that's it. But then if you were last week, I just explained that that that's the broad picture. That's humanity. That's that's like common. Knowledge and understanding of what the Bible, but, but see, we have specific sources and things that we are called to do. Much like how each of us are a human, but each of us look differently, have different skills and ways that we go about the world, different things to offer. And so as a church, as a community, we have certain values that are going to shape us. And so I said, the importance of values kind of look like this. This kind of helps us understand why this series is something we're doing. It's our identity as a church will be what we choose to value. And I said, we can do that intentionally or unintentionally. I said, you, you've all met somebody or, or lived. And that first one right there, just stay with that first one for a second. Our identity as a church, just put that as our identity as a person. Your identity as a family Uh, We did a series at the beginning of this year, remember? How to get what you really want? How to get what you really want? It's all about values. Values. And so as a church, we have to decide and determine what our values are. And we have to do it intentionally. And so our, our staff, our elders, behind the scenes, we've been going, who are we? What are we about? What are the things that we want to do? Because our values determine, correct, and define our direction. Where we're going. What we're choosing to do—it's a little bit like like uh, <laughs> if I stood up here and I said, "Hey, we're going to do good things," and you're like, "Like it?" What are the good things? I don't know. Good things, great. Do you have any of them defined? No. Good things. Very quickly. What's the next discussion? What good things should we be doing? And what's the priority list? Hey, look. Hello. I'm on. Okay, good. Sorry. That made me jump. I almost peed a little. Uh. (laughs) Full confession. I think we're good. Here's the thing, though. Like, priority list. It makes us instantly want to figure out what is. And we all naturally kind of have some things that we go towards. Natural things that we would want to do. And so... This series is all about getting everybody on the same page, recognizing what we're choosing to intentionally go after, and then recognizing the direction that that's going to call us to. Not saying that there's not things outside of this scope, not saying that there's not other good things that would fit underneath this gospel mission, but recognizing these are the values. This is the direction that we're choosing to go as a church. And I think what's really fun about this is it gives us some kind of unity, some kind of going, yeah, this is what we're about. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. And I think for all of us, we're all trying to look. I mean, how much daily stuff do you do that's in here? Do you, do you wake up every morning going, man, I'm the best parent in the world? Do you just wake up every morning going, I think I'm failing? I might not be doing a good job. I'm not sure. Marriage is in here. and you wake up every morning? And you go, I think I have the best marriage ever. Do you go, gosh, we're working on it, trying to get there. How about just in life? I'm talking about that person that you look at in the mirror every day, and you stare at them, and you go, we good, right? I think so. I think we're all right. What turns those conversations personally, marriage-wise, family-wise, college-wise, job-wise, friendship-wise. What turns the conversation is when you have something laid out in front of you that you're chasing after, that you're going after, that you're saying, this is what we're doing today. This is our pursuit. This is our value. We are chasing this down. Not just good things in the broad. That's amazing. We want that. We want full life in Jesus, yes. But what does that look like? And so last week, we just said this. We will invest in the next generation whose impact will be greater than our own. That's that's what we said. We will invest in the next generation whose impact will be greater than our own. And this week we're talking about value number 2. And remember this is not a list front to back. This is just a list because some of you will be like, okay, so what's most important? Chill, all right? This is just number 2 value, all right? So here's the 2. We will prioritize and utilize small groups of people and intimate relationships as the most effective means of growth. in community. Sustainable life change only happens in community. So I want to pull just three quick things out of this because that's a lot to take in. Take a minute to look at that. But here's the thoughts. We prioritize and utilize. That means this. We put it to the front of the list and we recognize it as an incredibly important tool relationships matter relationships matter you will hear us talk about that a lot yeah information's great relationships matter then we'll say this we we see it as an effective means to growth we say this who are you in a relationship not what are you learning who are you in a relationship with how are you being challenged who's walking with you Who's teaching you? Who are you listening to? Who are you talking to? It's an effective means. I recognize there's other opportunities. I'm not trying to remember. We're not trying to draw the walls. We're just saying this. We see this as an effective means to growth. And the last thing is sustainable life change. Sustainable life change. That's a perfect example of what it takes for someone to grow up. I just want you to know that someone had to sacrifice for a lot of years to get you to become an adult, or at least to try to, all right? Sustainable life growth. Show me your friends, show me, I'll show you your future, right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That is, a, that is an absolute thing. How many of you guys have found yourself in a place in life that you didn't want to be? You ever, you ever, like, I don't know, raise your hand, just so I know you're listening, even if you don't agree with me. How many of you guys have ever found yourself in a place in life that you didn't want to be? Okay, do you realize there's tons of research, Barna and a couple different research groups have done this, you are always going to surround yourself with people that are, you are the exact middle ground of, economically, marriage-wise, socially, you will always surround, you will always have some people that are a little uglier than you in your life. And you'll always have some people that are just a little prettier, but not too pretty, right? And, and you'll just put yourself straight in the middle. Because anytime you try to compare their wallet versus your wallet, you, you want to go, yeah, that's something I'd like someday, but I'm at least not there. You'll naturally do this. And it's, sometimes it's crazy how easy it is to identify. Next time you hang out with a group, just start looking around going, oh, my gosh, I did it. He's right. I naturally did that. Now, what's, what's frustrating about that is that that's our natural thing. But if you want to grow, you want to change, and you want it to stick. Sustainable life change only happens in community. So when I start thinking about this, why this gets me so ramped up is because our ministries abroad have seen this work just exponentially, I mean just incredibly. Um, our, our high school ministry, let's just use this as an example, our high school ministry is in a position right now where we, uh, we place either a team, uh, a male and a female, or, or a couple that are in charge of a specific grade in high school, and what we try to do is we try to put them with freshmen so that they'll move up with that group, and they will stay with them for up to four years through high school. That's what some of you are right now currently doing as leaders in our high school. But we have had some that have actually been with the group since fifth grade that are just now starting with our freshmen that are committed to being with them till they graduate. That is crazy to me. We will have leaders that will have walked with 12th graders. Is there any change that happens between fifth grade and twelfth grade? One of the values that we have in our youth ministry is we will not just create relationships that last a season, but a lifetime. Not just a season, but a lifetime. Because sustainable life change and an effective means for growth, it takes it making it a priority and utilizing it the proper way. Now, this is a lesson that I think a lot of us very quickly would jump to. We're like, yeah, that sounds great. I, I love relationships. I like making friends. Of course, everybody wants a mentor. Everybody wants somebody to disciple them, to sit down and go, hey, look, I don't know how to do this whole discipleship thing. Let's just read the Bible together and share life. Let's just eat some Mickey D's and read John. All right. Hey, let's just hang out. Let's just do this whole prayer thing. This is crazy. It's a little awkward, but let's try it. Everybody wants somebody to step into their life, but it's a little hard to realize how important it is sometimes. I'll even tell you this, Paul struggled with it. Paul, who wrote more than 50% of the New Testament, struggled with understanding the importance of relationships. Now, there's this key story in the book of Acts that I, I've mentioned probably several times. You might just point to what we're talking about because for me it stirs in my heart of how easy it is to get distracted, how easy it is sometimes to get a little frustrated. In, in Acts chapter 15, Paul has just been converted from basically a Pharisaic, like horrible, like law, Jewish, Uh, anti-christian movement into the christ movement into the way into christianity and he is just making waves like crazy for jesus he's just going town to town and doing great things and so he's been on a missionary journey where they just traveled around and they've literally just planted churches and so they're getting ready to do their second and his friend barnabas and him have been a team and they're kind of getting their crew together and barnabas Wants to take somebody that Paul doesn't. And this is what we read. Barnabas says this uh, I, I wanted to take John also, called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in fellatio and had not continued with them in their work. They had such a sharp disagreement. I love how that says. That's how married couples talk about fights, too. Such a sharp disagreement. We shall never talk about this again. That they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Now, if you read that, you're like, wow, man, Barnabas was the one that brought Paul to Jerusalem and convinced the Christians that Paul was legitimately converted and on a mission for God. I mean, Paul and Barnabas are tight, they're tight. Boom. Relationship broken. And one of the saddest things is we never see Paul and Barnabas make up. We never see, never waste pain. And he separates this crew and they end up doing a great thing, an amazing work. And they separate and do awesome things. But I had to wonder, what was the value that was pulling Barnabas in, in this moment? I mean, we can talk about Paul, but... Let's talk about Barnabas for a second. Think about the sacrifice. Think about the ridicule, the difficulty that that would be in that moment. Hey, I I wanna take John Mark. Dude, the guy left, man. We needed him. The places we went. They they did nothing but persecute and beat us. They did nothing but throw us out. We needed every single person on the team functioning at 100%. Things didn't go well, and he left. You want to wait till the next time things doesn't go well, and he's just going to leave again? Why would you want to take him? Barnabas goes, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I want to take him. I think it's worth it. I was talking to uh, Erica White now. I want to say Erica Walters, but it's Erica White, who's uh, on the mission field in Africa this last week. had a chance to talk. She called me from her tent in the middle of Africa at 10 o'clock at night. I'm in my office in air conditioning. It's a great conversation. <laughs> doing all these crusades, doing some incredible stuff over there. And the conversation that she has with me, she quotes this, pro- this uh, African proverb, of why she's calling, why she's reaching out, why she's having these conversations late at night, even though God is doing amazing things and is at work. She says this, and I I was like, she doesn't even know what I'm working on this week. This is what she says. She says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. But if you wanna go far, go together. And I was like, girl, you don't even know what you just said. (laughs) You see the wisdom in that? I mean, that, that is... There's going to be a temptation sometimes in our church to just want to press ahead and just, just go forward and, and just get the things done. But there is something that is lost when we don't do it together. Uh, there's something that's fractured in the depth of what could be when we do something alone. It's not saying that there's not going to be times where individuals have to press through. There's going to be times that lonely periods come into our life, but I think valuing and recognizing community is something that brings the depth, that brings the fullness. Something that we can never sacrifice just to get ahead. We just can't do that. And in fact, Paul learns this lesson, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because it just it gives me hope that I can learn too. That I, that I can gain understanding and knowledge, and that, that I could maybe possibly learn some things. Because in Second Timothy, Paul's at the end of his life, he's trying to write these, <laughs> write these lines to Timothy to, to give him as much wisdom and as much direction as he can before he moves on, and and in there, he writes this line in chapter 4 that just just jumps off the page when you know the story. John chapter, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 says this, only Luke is with me, this is Paul writing to Timothy, get and bring him with you, because he is helpful to my ministry. He is helpful in my ministry. I First of all, congrats, congrats, Paul, all right, all right, that's awesome, I love that he's like turned the corner, he's forgiven, there's grace that's been extended, he's recognized and welcomed him, but who's not in this that needs just a little bit of recognition, who's not in this that just needs a little bit of like, wait a second, where's Barnabas, nowhere to be seen, right? We don't know what's going on with Barnabas, where he's at, what he's up to, but we know that his disciple is doing great. What he worked so hard and sacrificed and reached out one more time and gave some insight and transparency and pulled into the group once again has done is it's provided someone that's matured and grown that has pulled into the movement and has now become a vital part of it. I think so many times when we see relationships as a priority, we, we like to place the people that we want the most as the reason why it is. It's almost like if you could go around the room and you'd be like, oh, I'm all about relationships, I'll take them, and, and yeah, I'm all about relationships, let's just get in a group. But that's not what we're talking about. This is about recognizing that every relationship that you are in, every opportunity that you have to connect in community has the ability to be effective to teach you and could be the very thing that leads to the sustainable life growth, not in you, but in them. You don't think Barnabas was looking at John Mark going, dude, I just haven't gotten done learning from you yet. I mean, I just need you to come hang out with me more, John. I mean, Mark, get over here. I need to hang out with you some more because I haven't gleaned all of your wisdom yet. No, Barnabas is going, dude, you need to get a little closer. You need to hang out a little bit more. Not as a self-righteous thing, but as a calling to hope in his life. He didn't want to leave him over there. Excommunicated, forgotten. He wanted to bring them in again. Say, let's do this together. Let's do this together because we can go further together. We have small groups here. We've called them connect groups, small groups, all right? Life groups. You'll hear us talk about all things. Basically, it's just small groups of people that get together, grow together. But we have Bible studies. Ladies' Bible studies, we got life group Bible studies. we got FPU in here, financial peace right now. You don't think those people are connected? Talking about money will make you either hate each other or connect like nothing else, right? I mean, that's just what money does. So you don't think that group, after they've been meeting for eight weeks, and they're not looking across the table going, dude, you're doing it. Yeah. Or like, come on, man, you can do it, right? It's just what happens. How about this? People that you go through a traumatic experience with, People that you've gone through something hard with, maybe at work, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family. Don't you look across the way. It's not about the result. Man, we want this for every single person because faith takes People surrounding you, calling you, helping you. There are days you are going to doubt. There are days you are going to struggle. There are days you are going to feel like you're on cloud nine and you're going to want to pull some people in. I mean, that's just the walk. That's what it is to pursue Christ. To pursue full life. And so we desperately value this. We prioritize it. We label it. We don't just talk about it. We want this to happen. We're going to do our best to put it at the front and to utilize it in every way we can. I love uh, this little proverb I threw in here at the end to kind of tie this all up. This is one that I've had for a long time in the back of my mind. It used to read a little differently, but I love the way they've kind of turned it. And it just says this, As iron sharpened iron, so one person sharpens iron. Another. And the the idea of this is that when you would knock the flakes when you were blacksmithing new iron to be sharpened is you would take one and you would drag it across the other and it would knock all the impurities, all the places that that knife had not quite been perfectly edged and it would knock it off. And as you did that with both, it would actually sharpen both blades. But it caused friction and it caused hurt and it would heat things up and it would cause sometimes things to fall off or be changed but it is the two things coming together the writer of proverbs is going there's something that happens when you get out of your own head and you invite somebody else in and there's something that happens when you invite you are invited into someone else's space and you're allowed to have a voice in their life You see things from a different perspective. You are invited into a different place of correction, of encouragement, of hope that we all desperately need. I think for me, the the thing that stands out about this verse is that this is a verse that I read when I was 17 years old in an accountability group with a friend who was trying to help me through a personal struggle. And he read and he goes, look, it's going to hurt it's not always going to feel good, but we're both going to grow. And I remember going, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> and the, the silly thing in my own mind is I thought that that would be a stage. I thought that would be just a season of my life where I would need that, where I would need this just special attention. That's, that's not the way life works. Listen, for some of you out here, you have isolated yourself unintentionally. Put yourself in a position where you are not able to be spoken into or no one has the ability to knock or help or correct you. Encourage you in a way that you would actually hear it. You, you haven't experienced what I'm talking about today. You, you love the idea of it, but, but the thought of it terrifies you in a real way that you would pull the curtain back enough. pursuing full life is going to take us as a community recognizing this is more than just talk. We have to be willing to share our lives together. We have to be willing to pour it out. Because just like Barnabas, look, it's not always about you. Sometimes it's about who you're with. Sometimes it's actually about the person that you're sitting next to that needs it in that moment. My perfect example of this is Jesus Jesus comes into the earth and he is the father. He is the trinity. He is a full relationship, fully complete, fully known. All things are good and right and he is perfect. And who does he seek out when he starts his ministry? But broken sinners. And not only that, he gets 12 of them. And he's like, hey, you're my crew. You're my group. We're going to roll together. Jesus is not going, Peter, I just need you to give me some wisdom. No. Jesus is going, we need to interact because you will need each other when I'm gone. I think for most of us in here, we grew up with a faith decision that was very isolated but is not. Though Sophia chose that decision today, and it is her walk with Christ, she is in the body of Christ now. It's not just Jesus and her. It is all of us together underneath the lordship of Jesus. We are her helpers. We are walking with her. Each of us are called to that not to correct and rebuke and to just look down and judge. That is so far from it. That is not our ideal. Look, we are going to absolutely speak into each other's life, and sometimes it may feel like judgment. Sometimes it may look like just a correction to speak. And I get this. Look, unwanted criticism is, or unwanted correction can feel like criticism. I get that. You need to be invited in. You can't do that from a distance. It has to be a relationship. But that's what we're here for together. We will absolutely do this. We will prioritize relationships for effectiveness and sustainable life growth, life change. We will do this as a church. This is our value. We prioritize relationships for effective and sustainable life change. We make it a priority to have relationships in our life that are calling us, correcting us, encouraging us. We place ourselves in relationships that gives us the opportunity to do the same. That is our calling for a long time. But there are a lot of you in here that have not gone to high school together, that have not known each other since childhood, that don't know everybody's aunts and uncles. All right. It's true. But a lot of you do. All right, I love what John said, generations. Because there are some people in this room that have generations of faith. Is that not more proof from what we're talking about? But the family of God is not by blood of a father or a mother, but by blood of a savior. The relationships we're talking about is the unity we have at the foot of the cross. That each of us would look right and left and say, I'm with you. We're in this together, not separate. We will be a church that prioritizes relationships absolutely for effectiveness and sustainable life change. We will do that together.